Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. And so, Lord, we also thank you that as we look into your word today, that you help us, Father. We thank you for uh, grace to present your word clearly, Father. We thank you that it unfolds and come out exactly as you would like it. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we're starting on a new series this month, and there'll be, uh, there's five Sundays, but we have Easter this month. The series that we're starting on, if you see here, the graphic is called Working Your World. And if you notice in this graphic that in the top left-hand corner you have a shopping mall and then you have office and then you have um, a construction site where tradies work, you have an auditorium, you have nature, you know, just various places. We, we could have made, put a lot more on there when we talk about all the different places that we are and we can be, that kind of thing. So we're calling it Working Your World. And as I read the scriptures, you'll start understanding what we're going to talk about. So here's a couple scriptures uh, as we get going here. Matthew 24 and verse 14, it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. Uh, Notice in particular that it talks about the whole world. And uh, so when we talk about Jesus It's like he died for the whole world. And then here's another scripture, Acts chapter 13 and verse 47. That says, for so as the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so there used to be a time that I didn't know why I was on the earth. That season that I didn't know why I was on the earth was the season that I wasn't a Christian. And I'm I'm sure that there's people that aren't Christians and they feel like, well, I know why I'm on the earth, but I was one of the ones that I didn't know why I was on the earth before I became come to know Jesus. But here's what we want to say, that as soon as you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and become a Christian, that's when we discover why we're on the earth. And now the reason that I live is totally different than the reason why I used to live before I knew Jesus as Lord. Uh, You know, we had in our earlier service Terry Walker, you know, and I know that I was bad before I knew Jesus, but Terry Walker was triple bad. (laughs) You know, and and so he, the whole whole fact on, like, he was on the earth to do some bad things, and uh, he was like, a lot more purposeful in evil than I was. I was almost accidental. <laughs> but all I know is as soon as I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord, a whole different purpose came in to my life. I had purpose. I knew why I existed. I, I really don't know uh, how anyone could be totally happy without Jesus. I know I wasn't. And that's, that's like when I was 18 years old, I had a nice car, uh, had a good job. None of it made me happy, okay? And so let, let's play this. Uh, I'd like you to watch this video, and then we'll go on.
that God put on my heart. Donut and butter as like little clues to look out for. And then also um, the next time I went to the hyperdome to go shopping, I felt that there was a concerned lady there. And um, within five minutes of being there, I actually um, bumped into this elderly lady. Um, she was quite elderly and she dropped her bags, so I went to help her pick them up. And I asked her, like, oh, um, what are you here for? And she told me, like, oh, I just got off the bus and I'm just here to get coffee and donuts. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, that's so cool. And she was like, yeah, would you like to come and join me? I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So um, we went and got coffee and donuts together. <laughs> and as we were talking, she was just telling me um, about her life and everything she had done and about um, how she wasn't sure whether or not if she passed away, if she was going to go to heaven. She told me that she'd been a good person and everything she had done. And she just wasn't sure though. And I haven't said anything to her about God or Jesus or about me being a Christian. Um, but um, I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. And I said to her like, oh, I'm a Christian. And do you mind if I show you what the Bible says? She's like, oh yeah, sure. So I opened up my Bible and I showed her that it's as simple as believing and confessing in Jesus. That's how simple it is. And I said to her, I can lead you in a prayer right now which guarantees you that when you pass on from this world, you'll go to heaven. And she was like, can we pray that together? And I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. And she grabbed me by the hands and I let her um, in the prayer of salvation. And she came to know Jesus that day. But it was just so beautiful. And I said to her, Alma, when you go home tonight to your house, I was like, if you pass away, like whenever that's gonna be, you know for sure that you're going to go to heaven, no doubt about it. And like tears came to her eyes, she was so grateful. And it was just the most amazing thing. I couldn't believe that God had given this, these clues to me to find Alma and lead her to him. Like this had never happened to me before and it was a whole new experience. And just glory to God for everything he was able to do that day. It was awesome. Praise God. And so Eva's sitting right there on the, the front row, and um, she said that that was the first time that ever happened in her life, the way that it unfolded like that. And so what we want to talk about, of course, as we talk about working your world, there's so many areas that we rub shoulders with in the world. And if you put that scripture back up there again, if you notice that even though Jesus died for the entire world, if you notice how that scripture, it says that you may bring salvation to the ends of the world. So God did his part. Jesus did his part. But it's now like we all have a part. So this is what we're going to talk about this month. Here, here's the different weeks. So I'll, I'll let you know where we're going with this. The first week, this, is, uh, this Sunday, we're going to talk about the making of the worker. Then next week, we'll talk about the commission of the worker. worker. The next week, well, the next week is Easter. And then the week after, we'll talk about the tools of the worker. And then the final week, we'll talk about the world of the worker. So that's where we're going. And we'll get going today, and we want to talk today about the making of the worker. So when we talk about, that's, that's like, you know, how do we get to a place where we are soul winners? All right, and if you just stay plugged in, because I know that uh, I used to sit and hear other people teach and preach and I know there used to be a day that I thought, well, that's for somebody else, and I'm timid, and I can't do that, and, and all those other things. 
But I, I just know that there is a different piece in a different part, and there, there are ways that everyone can do this. There's just different pieces, and we'll get into that as we go. Okay, so uh, here are a few things before we look into this that this should be established with us, and then we'll move on. So here's the first thing, is that we need to know why we work. We're talking about workers, working your world, the making of the worker. So why do we work? All right, it's really important to know that if you work for God because you think God will become mad, if you, mad at you if you don't work, all right, God is not mad at us, okay? He loves us, so we don't work for God because we think he's going to be mad at us if we don't. So as we talk about working, it's really important to know that we don't work so God stays happy with us. The next thing we want to just, I want to just remind everybody of this. Some people might think, well, if I work for God, he'll answer my prayers. Not true. God answers prayers that are faith. You know, whether you work or not for God, God will answer prayers because they depend on faith. Okay? And so it's not, it's not our works. It's not you doing something good and then God doing something good. God already did something good when he sent Jesus. Jesus already took sickness and disease. Jesus already did everything to save us. He loved us while we were sinners. So we work for God not so he isn't mad at us. We work for God not so he answers prayers. Somebody might think, oh, okay, well, maybe God will love me more if I work. It pleases God. The Bible says it's pleasing to him if we serve him. But he loved us so much that he sent his son for us while we were sinners. So even though God is pleased with us, he cannot love us any more than he already has and is loving us, okay? And then we don't work to be men pleasers and we don't work to impress other people. That's not why we do. Here's a scripture that shows us why we work. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So after we accept Jesus Christ as Lord, he gets on the inside of us with the Holy Spirit, and we are recreated. And in the recreation, when we become born again, we become alive in him. At that point, we have a desire in us. We want to do good works. And all we have to do is walk in them. We just really yield to him. That's why we work. All right, so we have no guilt. and We're not doing it out of guilt. We're not doing it out of condemnation. We're not doing it because we're pressured into it. We're doing it because we want to. We serve God because it's a privilege. We serve God because we get to serve God. We serve God because he's on the inside of us and he put that desire there, okay? So we, it's important to have that. And then the second thing that we want to lay down before we go on is this, and I'm calling it seasons and pieces, okay? So there's like different seasons in our life, and in the different seasons of our life, we'll end up doing different pieces. Let me explain. Uh, uh, Patsy, at one time, years ago, before we were married, uh, she used to be employed at a larger ministry, and what she was employed to do was pray. Could you imagine getting employed and paid to pray? And it was before we were married, a long time ago, uh, and she was youthy, you know, like youthy, 
In other words, when you're youthy, you say things differently, and sometimes you don't know it, but you're, you're, you can irritate people or make them feel bad. So she's, she would get up to teach, and she would almost flaunt the fact that she was prayed the, paid to pray. She would talk how long she prayed and how much prayer time she put in. And she thought she would motivate people because this is back when she was really young. Uh, but then what happened is then we got married and we had children, and then now she's teaching on prayer as a married mother with young children. And she told me, she goes, oh, she goes, Tony, she goes, what I used to teach when I was young, how I possibly made people feel. She goes, I've had to totally learn how to be a housewife and a mother and how to fit prayer into that. And so you see what I'm saying? It was a different season and a different peace. And so we know in our congregation here that you might have younger kids, so you're in a season that doesn't last forever, but in that season, what peace can you do? You might not be able to go out on the, you might not be able to go out and on the streets and go do door knocking, but there's still a peace you can do. So you, you find out what's, what season are you in. Another example of that is my father, after he retired for a season, he used to look at the newspaper in our town and he would look at find funerals and if he even thought he knew the person he would go to the funeral and his whole attention was to lead people to the Lord he just felt like that was a peace it was a season in his life and it was a peace and then also right at the same time he went to the neighbors where he lived and he went to talk to the neighbors and he, he shared Jesus with them and so that was like a season right after he retired in a piece he could do. Now he's 89 years old and he's not able to do that anymore. But that was like a season and a piece. So you, you can see there's different seasons and different pieces. Now I thought it was interesting when you look in the Bible and you see some of the elderly people in the Bible because when you get elderly, like what, what are some of the pieces you, you can do? And Zacharias and Elizabeth along with Simeon and, and Anna. Now when, when Simeon and Anna... They were just in the temple, and they were fasting and praying, doing a lot of it. And so it's interesting to note, and I seem to notice it even here in our, in our church family, that older people, elderly, you know, they seem to carry a desire to pray the plans and the purposes of God. And there is like a season and a peace for everyone. So sometimes, like, uh, somebody might not be able to drive. Sometimes, like, you don't drive at nighttime but you can drive in the daytime. But hey, you know, you can pray, do a, and you can do a piece at home and take 10 minutes or 15 minutes and pray for an outpouring. You know, like maybe some of you have never read, but there used, there, many years ago there was an outpouring in the country of England. And this outpouring, God's spirit got poured out on a whole city. And it was so powerful that there was revival it was like bigger than any one person and the pubs closed down the the brothels closed down uh the adult store everything closed because everyone was getting born again you know and i would hope today in today's church world if that happened that the the pubs would close <laughs> just a little joke there <laughs> okay somebody got it <laughs> But, so, but you see what I'm saying? It's like people, they, didn't, they, they changed. They didn't, want to, they didn't want to go to the pub, you know. And you can, you know, there's people that can pray in their prayer closet and nobody knows what they're doing, but they can cause, there can be great things that happen 
you know, just from that. So there's different seasons and different pieces. It's important to know. Why is that important to know? Because no one should come under guilt or condemnation. Uh, so I put it this way, like this puts it all in a nutshell. We need only to sincerely and honestly know our season and our peace. So before anyone comes under any guilt or condemnation, it's between you and God. What season are you in and what peace can you do in your season? Okay? All right, so with that in mind, we're going to start and talk about the making of the worker. So here's the first thing we want to talk about, and that is God's most prized possession. And, you know, what is God's most prized possession? So John chapter 3 and verse 16, that scripture says, For God so loved the world, working your world, that he gave his only son, that whoever, that's people, okay, believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. So the people of this world are God's most prized possession, the people of this world. So that means this, that gold and silver and things, it's not God's most prized possession. Thank God for gold. Thank God for silver. Thank God for prosperity. Thank God for all that. But that's not the most important thing to God. And I say this here carefully, uh, and I'll preempt it with this, that I especially love dogs. I'm a dog lover. And then we walk at the koala park in Daisy Hill, and, you know, when we see those little wallabies, I kind of talk in a high voice, and my wife, we have this way that we talk to animals, you know. It's kind of like childish, you know, but they just make, animals make us happy. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? We love them. So, but I say this now, and from that place, Jesus didn't die for animals. He died for people. So, like, once I became a Christian, I knew that my money belonged with the gospel, there's plenty of people out there that don't know Jesus. They save the wells. They, they save the animals. But for a Christian, because think, you know, when, when the wells and the animals die, I mean, I've heard people that went to heaven and they say their dog was up there, and I, I trust our dogs are up there too, you know, had various ones, you know. But, but, you know, we know one thing for sure, people are up there. So as a Christian, if you're going to put your money somewhere, put it with the preaching of the gospel because plenty of people out there save the wells and they save the animals. They can do their, that with their money. But the most precious and prized thing in the world is people. God sent, the creator of the world sent his son to die for people. So it's important to know that. The great Smith Wigglesworth, and if you don't know who he is, he's gone home to be with the Lord. He visited this country. He, he was from England. And he was one of the fathers in the faith. And the great Smith Wigglesworth came to Australia and New Zealand in 1922. And here's, somebody wrote a book on it about his visit, and here's what they said. They said, although Mr. Wigglesworth made it quite plain and clear to his hearers that he would rather see one sinner saved than 10,000 people healed of bodily ailments, he invited any who were in pain to come forward for prayer. Now, that's something I discovered about him that I didn't know. Because when you think about Smith Wigglesworth, you think about healings and miracles. He, ra he, he, he raised people from the dead, a great man of faith and power. But this is his heart. So we know what he did there. But look at his heart. He would rather see one sinner saved than 10,000 people healed. Now, that just shows you his heart. Now, with, with, with that said, I, I'd like you to watch this clip 
Some of you uh, probably saw this movie, but this is just clip is to remind us. Uh, if you don't know that movie, it's called Schindler's List. He's a wealthy businessman, and he used his. Uh, I always, I, I've seen this. I, I cry every time during that. Sorry about that. Uh, I'll get my composure back. But wealthy businessman who saved the Jews back in Germany. And he's talking about if he would have sold his car, he could have got 10 more. If he would have cashed in his ring, he could have got possibly two more. Uh, and he realizes, he talked about all the money he threw away and how he could have used it to get people saved. It's like he, he and you know, in, earlier in the movie, it shows he was, a, you know, using money on ladies and all that kind of stuff, partying and all that. And then he all of a sudden found purpose, you know, and, and that, that happened with so many of us where we found purpose and it's just like selling out for that. So, uh, you know, like here, here's a, a simple thing what we just saw there that God sold out by giving it all to seek and save the lost. So we're talking about how is a worker, the making of a worker, how can God, how can we get made into this? Well, the first thing is we get an understanding that God gave his own son. He sold out to, and given his own son, to seek and save the lost. He sold out and gave it all. All right, so that's the first thing. The most precious thing to God is people and people getting saved. That's what he gave his son for. So the next thing we want to talk about is what is worth dying for? You know, like, did you ever think if there's anything worth dying for? I mean, I pictured myself when our kids were little and I, I'd run across the street to, if a car's coming and I'd throw them and get hit by the car. I, I, that's a weird thing to picture, but I was willing to die for our kids and a lot of you parents probably understand, hey, you know, jump in front of the, if there's a bullet, somebody going to shoot a bullet, you jump in front of the bullet to make sure your kids don't hit. We're, most of us were all willing to die for our kids. Okay, but you know, what is worth dying for? So like Romans chapter 5 and verse 7, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So look at that. that the thing that was most important for God is people. And so he sent his son to die for people. So this, I don't know what that does to you, but that tells me if it, this does something to me, that we live and we're on the earth because we're here to make sure people don't go to hell. That's why we're here. And the faster we can get out of this thing where it's about me, you know, and it's like it's a growing thing. We grow up. And so there's a book I mentioned in the earlier service. It's called Growing Up Spiritually. It was written by Kenneth Hagin, and he talks about the different stages of spiritual growth. And he made mention, like, when you have a baby, like, when you first have the baby, you know, they, they, you have to take care of them. It's all about them. So when they're hungry, they cry, give me food. You know, when they need their diapers changed, they cry. Change. They're not saying, they just know something's uncomfortable. Or even when they're doing a little bit of work to dirty the diaper, I notice they cry. Sometimes it's quite strenuous. <laughs> it's all about them. Take care of me. Okay, so there's, you know, when, sometimes when we come into the kingdom of God, it can be, we're in a baby stage, and it's more about do, and, and it's okay. We, you can't skip stages. So somebody that gets saved, we want to make sure we're there for them, and we want to make sure we get them established. It's about them at that point. 
But then as we grow up, we get to that place. And I, you know, I always thought like now I'm in the stage where my daughters are starting to tell me, you know, you were right about that. You, you like, you know more than we thought you knew. Because, <laughs> you know, there's that age when the kids think you're a little bit dumb, you know, and they need to help you out there. But then they get to that place. Wow, you, you know, I see what you were saying there. So, you know, so that, that's wonderful. But it's, it's like the growing up thing. And then you get to this place where you, you don't, you're not about yourself, but you're about the kingdom business. It's about kingdom business. And it's by grace. It's not strenuous. It's not guilt and condemnation. But we're, we're willing to lay our life down for that. Okay? So that's what he did. And that, that's, it, it does something. So just to summarize some of the things we're saying, uh, and here's the first thing that we want to say, that salvation... The salvation of people is the most important thing to God. All right, so Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, another scripture, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. All right, so the reason he came here was for lost people. All right, so that, the making of the worker. So when you wake up in the morning, did you ever think, of course you have to go to work, you have to take, you have to do all those things but do, you, do we wake up and think, like this morning when I got out of bed, I'm here to seek, and, to seek and save the lost. A lot of times we don't think that. I'm, I'm not talking about myself. You know, you might have an early morning appointment. You might have to do this, and you, you got all that going. But think about it if we all just got out of bed and say, okay, the reason I exist, I get out of bed today, but I, I'm on the earth to seek and save the lost, and you can use me today. You can use me today. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about different ways God can use us here soon. Here's another scripture, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. It says, even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, so what, what you see there is when, when God sent his son Jesus, the whole reason he came is not for himself. It wasn't about him, but he actually came. So the spiritual growth, and as we grow up, our goal is to get to where it's not like what you can do for me, but it's like what can I do for others. That's our goal. So you can locate yourself. Don't beat yourself if you don't like where you are. Don't come under guilt or condemnation, but you can examine yourself and say, well, where am I? Am I here, be, so, be, am I here for other people, or am I still here because it's about me? Okay, the more people we get to where they get to that place where it's about other people, the more people that we're going to get saved, the more people that we're going to get established, and so on and so forth. Interesting that when the disciples, when they came to Jesus, they were excited and they said, Jesus, even demons are subject to us in your name. And the response Jesus gave was, don't get happy and rejoice about that, but be happy that your names are written in the book of life. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, I gave everyone power. You can cast out devils. You can do all that stuff. But the reason you should be happy is your name is written in the book of life. In other words, you're, sa- you're going to be saved. You're going to go to heaven. That's the number th- one reason to be happy. The number one reason to be happy right there. Okay? So here's another thing uh, that we want to think about, that love motivated God to save. And it was God's love for the world that moved him to save the world. Now think about it now. When, 
Jesus came, he came for prostitutes. He came for drug addicts. He came, like, for, for killers, people that kill. I know sometimes it's hard for us to imagine, and, of course, if somebody kills and they go to God, and if they kill somebody, they can go to God and get forgiveness, but now they'll probably have to, the laws of the land will go into effect. They might, they might get put, if the law of the land is that you get put to death, you get forgiven by God, but you'll probably get put to death because of the law. But God forgives. I know it's like thinking, how could God forgive? But there, his blood and forgiveness is for every single thing. So think about the creator of the universe sent his son to die for people like that. And then think about us if we get self-righteous and we don't want to rub shoulders with those kind of people. We won't go around those kind of people. We're, we're too good and they're, they're so vile and they're so dirty and we're so clean. Okay? So, uh, talking about the making of the worker. If God is going to, if we're going to get made into this kind of thing, we have to just accept the fact that if God died for the most unlovely and he loved them, we have to get to this place where we love the most unlovely. All right? Now, everyone comes into the kingdom from different environments and different, you know, situations. So some people that get saved and make Jesus their Lord, they come in from a very difficult environment where they weren't loved. They had it really tough. And so when they come into the kingdom of God, the first thing that they need, and sometimes people like that, they have a hard time letting somebody love them the first thing they need to do is just let the walls down and allow God to love them. Because it's so hard to love somebody else if you can't love yourself. So the first thing that for some people, and I know that we have various people here and I don't know where you are, but to just let God love you so much that you can love somebody else, that's one of the steps you might have to take. As soon as we can receive love, and even we can love ourselves, we get to this place where we can love others. That's when our focus changes, and it's not all about us. Now it's about other people. So here's some questions that we want to, you know, just answer today. Here's one. How many unsaved people are in the world? How many are there in the world? Well, here's the answer. It's estimated that out of the 7.1 billion people alive in the world today, 2.91 billion of them live in unreached people groups. So there we have it. Almost 3 billion people still are not reached. All right? Here's another uh, question. And before we do this question, let me, let me say this. There's different ways to evangelize. So we, we heard Eva, and what, what Eva was at the Hyperdome, and she did that at the Hyperdome. But then there's lifestyle evangelism. Now, um, there's, there's like different seasons in people's lives. So Karen, who uh, has looked over the Bible school for a long time, she carries evangelism. And uh, it's just part of her. And even her, uh, her housemate, Trista, would say like, well, when I go on vacation, it's like, can we do like a vacation? Because if it's in the airplane, Karen's leading the person next to her to the Lord. Then she's working at the hotel. Karen's like leading everyone to the Lord. It's just she's, 
She has this. She's saturated with it. So then when, when people go to Bible school, we talk about seasons and pieces. All right, so there's a season when our Bible school, you have to leave. It's full time, so people leave work, and it changes their schedule up. So it's a season where they're taken in, and they go out once a month to witness to the lost. It's a great season while they're there. But then when they're finished, they end up going back to a job, and then things change, and their schedules change. It's really important not to come under guilt or condemnation because you were in one season, and you had a peace in that season. Now you're in a different season. How can, how, how can you locate your peace in that season? Does that make sense? Um, but then there's this other kind of evangelism that's different than that, and that's what you call lifestyle evangelism. And this scripture explains it to us. Because you can go up to somebody on the street and you don't even know who they are and you lead them to the Lord just like Eva did at the Hyperdome. But look at this one in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now this is what you call lifestyle evangelism. This is the kind of evangelism that you rub shoulders with people on a daily basis. They're around you. It could be your neighbors, you're at work, the people that you work with, people that you're around all the time. This is what you call lifestyle evangelism. So the question is, do our words and actions make a difference? The answer is yes, because we're told here, uh, in front of people, it says to be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. In other words, how we act and how we talk in front of people makes the difference. That's what you call lifestyle evangelism. It's not, you don't have to force it because you're around them every day. And as a matter of fact, when you're, when you're working with people and around them every day, it's probably better not to force it. It's better to let them study you for a while. If you're going to be around them every single day, eight hours a day, let them study you. But that's what's, what's going on there. And they see that you're a light. I like the way that it says, among whom. In other words, we're, we're, we, we rub shoulders with people, and it's like you're around those people. So b before, I, I was a, a machinist, and I worked midnight turn in a machine shop, and I was, did it as an un, unsafe person, and then I was made redundant for a season because they didn't have work. Then they brought me back when they got work, and I came back as a born-again Christian. Now, before, I was, uh, not, when I was not saved, I was, I, I, all I did is cussed. I was a big cusser. You know, I was sad and depressed most of the time. All of that, you know, very negative. That's what they saw. Then I, I was made redundant. I found Jesus, accepted him as my Lord, and I went back as a Christian. Now all of a sudden, no more cussing. I'm actually happy, and I'm positive, and I'm not complaining and all that. They saw a difference. It made them wonder, what happened to you? But I work with them eight hours a day, midnight turn, five days a week. I didn't have to rush anything. You see, see what I'm saying? Lifestyle evangelism. So it's kind of like this, you know. You have a choice. Like I could be like one of the guys. So they actually, and I, and I said this before. Some of you may have heard me say this. Because I was so different now, I went into the, to the, the, to the bathroom at the machine shop, and they wrote on the wall, that Tony Caminetti was gay. And the reason was because I was so different that they thought something like that must have happened because I was happy and I wasn't cussing and I wasn't miserable. 
But it's like when that kind of stuff happens, you have a choice. Do, is that gonna, am I going to let that bother me or I'm gonna, am I going to stay the way I am? And I, did, and I stayed the way I, I, I didn't care. I, did, I wasn't going to be one of the guys. So if you're going to do lifestyle evangelism, you have to first of all decide you're not going to be one of the guys or girls or, and, and get into all that talk because then nobody knows you're different. Nobody, they don't know you're different. Okay? I even had my brother once. <laughs> he, he backed my brother John backslid for a little season. So he was going out to the pubs and he was sitting at the bar drinking and he was telling all the guys, listen, guys, I'm a Christian and I shouldn't be in here and I shouldn't be drinking. I'm doing the wrong thing. But do you guys know Jesus? <laughs> At least he tried. <laughs> so you can see that there's different ways that we, can, that we can do that. So finally today, just like these two last questions, is what's the most important or precious thing in our lives? You know, and we all have, this is between us and God, but I'm just going to let you guys figure that out. What's the most important and precious thing in your life? You know, and... And, you know, everyone has to come to that conclusion. But if it's money more than Jesus, and then if it's, it is Jesus, it, it should end up being you pick up on his mission, and that's souls. And then what are you willing to die for? And when I say die, it doesn't have, mean you have to jump in front of a bullet. But when we say, like, what, what are you willing to lay your life down for? And that really is related to what's the most important thing to you. So I'll leave you with that, and we'll pray. Father, I thank you so much for everyone that's here today. And Lord, thank you for just uh, causing this message uh, that you just illuminated, that you really uh, make it big in our hearts, Father. I ask that in Jesus' name, that it just doesn't fall to the ground, that it's seed that was planted that will produce fruit. I thank you for that in Jesus' name, Lord. Father, before we dismiss, we also thank you if there's anyone with us today that we can pray a prayer and we can make sure that they're going to heaven and that they're assured of heaven. So, Lord, thank you that uh, you're continuing to speak to people's hearts right now. You let them know there's heaven to gain and there's a hell to lose. And, Father, thank you for making it really real in Jesus' name. Before we leave today, we want to do exactly what I just prayed there. We want to lead you in a prayer. And the Bible simply says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. I did that when I was 23 years old. Uh, never been the same since. It's the best thing you could ever do. If you're with us today and you've never prayed and asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, this is your opportunity. We're going to say a simple prayer. Uh, when we pray here, what we like to do is we'll have you close your eyes and then we'll lead you in our, the whole congregation. We're going to pray this prayer. This is your opportunity to make Jesus your Lord. In the 8.30 service, I can give you good news. We had two people that were born again in the 8.30 service at 8. So exciting. Maybe you're with us today and you want to be one of those people that accept Jesus as your Lord today. Uh, it's the most important thing that you'll ever do. So let's pray. We ask you to close your eyes and let's, let's pray this prayer. And, let's, uh, and it's really good to pray it with all of your heart, with all of your heart. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your obedience. You came here for me. You died for me. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. Jesus, 
I receive you as my Lord. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome in my heart. Jesus, thank you that you first loved me, and now I can love you. Thank you so much. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.